I do love to sing, just can't do it too well. I'd like now for us to pay attention to the Word of God and to the uh, read and heard. I want to first read from John, 1 John, not the Gospel of John, but 1 John, the Epistle, uh, chapter 1, verses 5 to 10, very familiar verses to many of us. That's 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. And of course, this being the Word of God, we are to, uh, to pay careful attention to it. Let's now hear God's holy, blessed, sacred Word. Beginning 1 John Chapter 1, verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. <clears throat> uh, so I'm going to be talking about confession today, and before I do, I just want to also have you hear the text that I'm thinking about as well, pointed out to me by Abraham Kuyper in an article from uh, Daniel 9, verse 4, just the first part of that verse, where Daniel uh, is confessing the sins of himself and the people and all that. And he said, And I prayed unto the Lord, to the Lord my God, and made my confession. May the word of God bless you. Heavenly Lord, we are asking you to be draw nigh to us now once again. Closer, closer indeed, as the word of God is preached and the sacrament uh, is to be administered in a little while, the sacrament of baptism. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you would bless the endeavor of your people this morning, the holy endeavor of your people, here to worship you in spirit and truth. For we ask this and pray in your precious name. Amen. Abraham Kuyper uh, said in, uh, in an article he wrote on this, this uh, Daniel uh, verse, this portion of uh, Daniel, and I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession 
he said that the seed of faith which is frequently pleases uh, which frequently pleases God to sow within the heart of a child does not grow and flourish of its own accord and then he gets sets an example before uh, in this case eyes and and ears and he talks about a mother and a father who have planted the seed of faith they have this baby she's growing up now to be a young little girl and they uh, he, he doesn't he doesn't use this example I'm kind of using this example on my own kind of making it up but it's not made up unfortunately it's not it's something that does happen the parents have their little girl with them and they go on a trip somewhere it's a it's an unfamiliar place, maybe somewhere in Europe or wherever. And uh, they just turn about for a little bit. And when they turn around again, the child is gone. It's been kidnapped or abducted and uh, never to return. Uh, that happens. It's, it, it just... It, it, it brings tears to my eyes just thinking about that. But people are monsters that they do. They do that. And what they do with these children is oftentimes they raise them up to be whatever terrible, horrible thing they want them to be. And, uh, and, and, and Kai points out that that kind of thing does happen. He gave another kind of example uh, about it. But he talked about a kidnapped child and but he asked the question do you think that child who had had parents mother and father uh, Christian uh, bringing her to church planting the seed of faith in her young heart uh, abducted uh, do you think that the at the age of 30 when if she lives that long and she's out there on the streets or wherever she is that that uh, faith, that seed of faith that was planted in that child, in that baby and in that child uh, would have, uh, have blossomed into full orb faith on its own, being abducted and being trained in the ways of this world and the horrors of sin and abuse. Do you think that seed of faith would have sprouted and blossomed by the age of 20, 25, or 30 years of age? And the answer is obviously not. Apart from the grace of God, obviously not. There's nothing to do. She's being trained in the ways of the world and sin and abuse. Now, God is pleased to use external means. And so I want to talk about, about external means I also want to talk about preparation for people that are coming into membership that are going to make a confession of faith and a profession of faith. I also want to speak on, uh, on confession. And lastly, I want to speak about prayer and how best a couple of things Kuiper said I have come up with that uh, to instruct parents and even grandparents on how to prepare uh, your child in prayer for the time uh, to make a profession of faith when that time comes. <clears throat> so let's get to it now. And uh, the first thing I want to, to speak on is uh, the external means 
that God uses, which is his word, teaching, preaching, catechetical instruction, devotions at home, things like that. External means to cultivate the faith of a, uh, of a young person, to, to grow them into a uh, state where they can make a credible profession before others, whether it's in the church before God and his people or to others that they meet along the way in life. Uh, but there is a, this very powerful caveat, and that is that you can do all the instructing you want and all the preparation you want and use all the external means that God has made available to you. Uh, you can uh, bring up that child at home in the way that he should go by teaching him from the scriptures and praying for him and with him and, and doing all kinds of things there at home. You can bring him to Sunday school. You can bring him to worship services, morning and evening. You can do many other things as well. But if the Holy Spirit is not present with that child, then, as Kuiper says, all the external attempts to cultivate is as effective as plowing a bed of rocks doesn't work. So we must give credit where credit's due, and that is first to the Holy Spirit of God. You must be born again. A child's heart, a teen's heart, an adult's heart, whoever, must be uh, plowed and sown by the Holy Spirit. God is Pleased to use external means by all means. He gives us external means. He gives us the word of God, especially the preaching and teaching of it, and the sacraments and prayer. Those are external means. External means complement internal means. The internal me means is the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Spirit in the person. The external means are the word, prayer, and the sacraments. So when those two things combine, uh, the, uh, the harvest is great. Uh, speaking of harvest, I think of, uh, of farmers. You know, I, didn't, I only saw pictures of farmers growing up in New York City, you know, but I, I knew who, what they were. But when I came here, I realized something right away from the kids, the, the young people. Uh, and that is that they work hard. They, they are hard workers. Farmers are hard workers. And their children. They are instructed early on. You get out there and you help on the farm. Do the work. That's not as true today as it was decades ago around here. But it's, it's still around here to some extent. Uh, hard workers. In fact, I think all of you are hard workers. And... Uh, that's, that deserves a lot of respect, uh, to be a hard worker. Uh, God warns against sluggardness and laziness. Uh, but 
All the hard work, the blood, sweat, and tears, as, as it said, poured into that field that is uh, plowed, and then the seed is planted, and then, you know, it's, it's watered. But unless the sun shines upon that field, the harvest will not come. Unless the sun shines upon that plant, it will not grow. You need the, the, uh, the sun to make it grow, as well as water. You need the sun. So, too, we need the Spirit. The Spirit of God. The Spirit of the sun needs to shine in our lives. And then, the, uh, all the work that we put into that sun, that daughter, will flourish and sprout and grow into an amazing plant for the Lord. <clears throat> the internal work of the Spirit and the external means of grace complement each other. And we should all be aware and feel very pri privileged that we know this. And God has made us willing in the day of power, his power, to do this, especially for our youngsters, especially for our children and our teens, as well as friends and fa other family members. <clears throat> so, of what the question is asked, should this uh, preparation consist and uh, it's important for us to note, yes, instruction in the Word of God at home and catech catechetical instruction, uh, uh, memorization of Scripture, Sunday school lessons, teaching them the Bible stories and, the, and the, uh, the characters of the Bible, the people of the Bible, and so on and so forth, familiarizing our sons and daughters uh, with these things. Uh, that's all important, but again, it's, it's not enough. It, it's simply not enough. Yes, uh, Memorization is invaluable. Uh, study is indispensable. But as uh, pointed out by Abraham Kuyper again, but these means do not, to use a figure, exhaust the curriculum in the school for the preparation for confession. If they did, then you can just pick up anyone off the street, any pagan, any heathen off the street, and say, repeat after me like some evangelicals do, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need you to save me. Enter into my life forever. Amen. You know, you can get anyone to recite that. I'm not saying that it doesn't work sometimes or it's not for real in some people, but mostly not. That's not how it works. If it did, then we can probably manipulate just about anyone we know or many we know to say the things in agreement. And, and to that end, no, to confess, to confess 
the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to show your colors. You need to teach your children and teach your teens and teach one another. You need to show your colors. You need to be able to share with others that I am a Christian, and if I'm to boast about anything, I boast in the Lord that I am saved and I have a relationship with him. You need to stand up. Stand up for Jesus. Come what may. And that takes a little bit of doing for some people because they're a shyer type. But, you know, everybody has friends. And you can certainly, as young people, share with your friends that uh, you love Jesus and you confess him as your Lord and as your Savior and uh, you want a relationship, an intimate relationship with him. And uh, it should. It should. And I'm telling young people this. This young person that's about to make a confession, a profession of faith. But any young person, and any parent of, with the young people, whether they're babies or teens or whatever they might be, maybe a little older. <clears throat> you should cringe at the abuse of God's name. When people use the name of the Lord in vain, it should make you cringe. And if it doesn't, something's the matter with you. I'm not saying that you're going to be judged to hell or anything like that. You know that. But something's the matter with you. If it doesn't make you cringe, that people besmirch and use the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in vain. That's worse than any curse. I've said that before. It should make you cringe. And young people, it should make you do that. And a lot of young people say, oh, my G-O-D and oh, G-A-G-C and all, J-C and all that stuff. Monstrous. Monstrous. That kind of thing is preparation for confession. That's you're confessing, and I'm proud to confess the name of Jesus, my Savior, and my Lord, and my God. It's real. It's not just a, a recitation of some lesson learned in Sunday school. Or at Christian school or wherever it may be. However, there's, a, there's a, another thing that's needful for one's preparation for confession, if you will. <clears throat> and it's, uh, <clears throat> it's a, a requisite which generally is not sufficiently emphasized, as pointed out. Uh, the Bible names two kinds of confession, at the very least. Confessing that Jesus is my Savior and my Lord, that's kind of one, and confessing that I'm a sinner. That's number two. You need to confess, Jesus is my Savior, Jesus is and, and, and my Lord, and that I am a wretched sinner by birth, by nature, apart from grace. 
I'm a horrific sinner. I deserve hell and damnation forever because of my sin. No matter how young you are, as soon as you're conscious enough to understand these things and what sin is and the difference. Or else why would you make a confession that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Why do you need a Savior if you're not in danger of dying in hellfire? Why do you need redemption? Or a redeemer? If there's not some sin problem, terrible sin problem in your life. Why do you need a physician, as Jesus pointed out, if you're not sick? And so, a valid confession of a young person or an older person, an adult uh, uh, beyond teenage years, is that I am... Uh, Jesus is my Savior, my Lord, and I am a sinner. And I need a Savior because I'm such a sinner. Uh, and that's in the confession. That's, by the way, that's in the vows uh, that will be, uh, be taken in a little bit. Mm. Now, when we're talking about young people, Children and even teenagers, young teenagers, maybe even older teenagers. I'm not saying that, and uh, others that are much wiser than I, are not saying that a person about to make a confession and a profession of faith has to drop to his knees and just shed tears and just what a terrible sinner I am and, and you know just cry and, and emote the moment because then we're getting into emotionalism right they need to do it at their own pace at their own level it needs to be them and not everybody's at the same place when it comes to this stuff not everybody sees the horror of their sin all at once But they still see their sin, and they need to admit it. So it needs to be, we need to come at this with some understanding, some practicality here. Not everyone's going to be shedding tears when they make a profession of faith because, they're, because of their sin and the fact that their sin has been forgiven. <clears throat> some will, some won't. The other thing about making a credible profession uh, of faith and a uh, confession is what Kuiper pointed out as the Daniel rule. And I read it to you a little while ago, uh, chapter 9, verse 4 of the book of Daniel, and I prayed to the Lord my God and made my confession. That's something that Perhaps some here I know in the past I have and others that I know, other Christians I know have, 
neglected to recognize that prayer takes training. You need to train a child how to pray. It's not automatic. Just like you need to train a child in the stories of the Bible and the ways of the Bible and the truths and the principles of Scripture and the commandments and all that stuff. You need to train the child how to pray. Now, what does that involve? And what does it involve when the child gets old enough to make a confession? Like Daniel, I prayed, I prayed, and then I prayed unto the Lord, and then I made my confession. Well, there are a few things that I want to point out. Others have pointed these, these things out. There's probably more that you can think of as well to teach your child how the first thing you need to do, or you need to, to, uh, to recognize in your training a child how to pray. Oh, wow, well, what do you mean? You just say what you're going to say. No. I know people have that attitude. I'm still learning how to pray. I've been a pastor for 37 years, and, uh, and before that I went to seminary, before that I went to, and I still am learning how best to pray. There's training involved in this. However, you want, you want the first rule when you're teaching a youngster how to pray is you need to realize where they're at. They don't need to pray like an adult. They don't need to pray like the pastor prays. You don't need to pray like the pastor prays. You need to pray with your own words, in your own way. So a child needs to pray with childlike words in a childlike way. And never have that child standing up in some uh, display of ostentation to show how wonderful he or she may be in prayer. So you want to first realize ostentation and showing this is out of the picture. Making the little one an adult is not the way to teach. <clears throat> Teach them how to pray slowly, reverently, so that uh, it praying may be, may be true. It may be true to the person who is praying. Uh, another way is, okay, by example. Uh, morning prayers, there's evening prayers, there's going to bed prayers, you know, going to bed prayers. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of prayers that we, we teach our children and our young people during the course of a given day or time in our lives. <clears throat> uh, and we need to, uh, to instruct them during those times to pray, to, to follow the example that 
You're here to pray at morning when you rise, at uh, dinner time when you have dinner or lunch time whenever, uh, at, uh, at uh, evening time, at bedtime. You need to, uh, to teach them to pray. Teach by example. Not just say the same words I say after me, although that can be helpful at times. A, formulate, a formulated prayer is helpful at times, but not always. Not always. And, if the, and of course, the child doesn't have anything to say, you teach him a formal prayer. Uh, when I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I rise, I pray the Lord my, my soul to take, you know. But that's not, uh, <laughs> if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Uh, but that, that's okay, but that's, uh, that's not the kind of prayer you want to have them linger long on. We used to sing that all the time to our kids, but we have to graduate beyond that. So formulated prayers are okay, but not the way. You need to pray uh, and, and set forth an example to, uh, to that child before that child as a, uh, a parent or a grandparent, <coughs> and even before your teenager. <coughs> Above all, uh, says Kuiper here, uh, on special occasions, the building, uh, the bidding in all thy ways acknowledge him is a fountain of riches for prayer, for adults, for teens, for anyone, for children. That is that you need to teach your child that when something happens, it, it troubles them, that they are to cry up and out to the Lord about their trouble. Remember, a problem at school that perplexes a child is as disconcerting, as concerning, as annoying as a campaign before a general. You know, remember, you need to recognize where they're at, not where you want them to be or where you're at or where someone else is, where they're at. And they need to take what they're concerned over to God in prayer. And when there's a praise, when there's a joy, when there's an upbeat happening, you need to teach them to, to pray about that, to praise God when that happens. Let's sit down. Let's, let's sit aside here for, for a moment and praise God and thank him for that. You know, on all occasions, because God is involved in every aspect of our lives, in everything, he is concerned and he wants to hear. Yes, even from his, uh, a young child or a teenager, he wants to hear from you. And you need to teach them that, that God wants to hear your prayers, your prayers. Not just my prayers, but your prayers he wants to hear. You know, and put it on that person. Another thing that we need to teach our children and our teens, uh, on anyone who's coming to make a confession uh, faith, when they pray, they pray before the confession, they need to confess their sins. Their sins. It's particular sins. They need to recognize, I have lied. I have cheated. I have whatever I did. They need to recognize that. And they need to bring it before the Lord. 
in their own word, with their own words, in their own way, they need to bring it before the Lord for real. My uh, son once uh, was uh, Cherry Hill Church. He uh, he did something that upset one of the uh, the elders over there. The elder scolded him for doing what he did. In particular, it's not important. And uh, he he went away and he he brought something to the elder. And not it was not my instigation or my wife's. I just viewed it from afar. And it was something that he had displaced. And he went and he got this thing, book or uh, a folder or something, and he brought it back to the elder. And he said, I'm very sorry, sir, for doing that. I'm very sorry. And it's still you know, brings a little tear to me when I think of that. I, I was just observing the whole thing. I was just sitting back out. I wasn't interfering with this at all. I wanted to see what happened. Not one of those parents that muscle in. No, you're not my kid. You don't say anything to my kid. Yes, you do. You say what you want. So long as it's not cursing, it's, well, you know, terrible things. And he apologized. That's what God wants you young person and old person as well but particularly young people I'm speaking to all about that's what he wants you to do when you hurt your mother's feelings when you injure your father or your brother or something and you go and you say I'm sorry I did I didn't mean what I did uh, uh, what happened it happened the way I didn't I didn't I didn't want it to happen it turned out to be a terrible thing and I'm so I'm so sorry he God wants you to come to him like that, meaning it. Meaning what you're telling him. You're sorry. I'm sorry, Lord, that I have sinned against your name. I'm sorry that I treated my wife in this fashion, specifically, and name it what it is. I'm so sorry. For real. Teach your children. Teach your young people to pray for real. To mean it when they speak to God. I prayed unto the Lord my God. Notice, it's, it's, he belongs to him. God belongs to Daniel. I pray to the Lord my God. And I made my confession. Awesome responsibility we have as parents, grandparents, as elders in the congregation, office bearers, whatever. Awesome responsibility uh, to, to teach the children, especially the children, our children, well. So that when they do grow old, they will not depart from the ways of the Lord.
Christian education, and in this sense, I'm talking about Christian education at home. I'm talking about it in the church and, and as well as in the school. But, but the, educating your children how to pray and things like that. Christian education, I'm quoting again, is a sacred matter and a beautiful privilege. And it costs the soul many an exacting effort. It takes effort. It takes prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Lord, we are thankful for your word. Uh, we're thankful for the truth of your word. We know, uh, we, we know that these things ring true, true to each and every one of us. Uh, we, have, uh, we have done these things, and we have done these things in some sense, cases well, sometimes not so well. But we pray, Heavenly Lord, that you would continue to teach us to do well. And especially for the other person, the person to whom we're witnessing, even our own sons and daughters, that we may encourage them when the time comes to do what's right and proper in your sight and make confession. And we pray in your name, in the name of Jesus, amen.